0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Finnovate podcast. Joining me today, we have Jeff LaCastro, founder and CEO of Neener Analytics, here to talk about small data, which is something I think a little bit different from how a lot of people conceptualize things. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Hey, Greg, it's always good to, good to talk to you.
0: So we'll skip kind of the background on Neener Analytics. If you're interested in learning more, check out their videos at Finnovate.com. They have won Best of Show a couple of times at our events, Mm -hmm. and so encourage you to give them a look. But what we're going to talk about today is this idea of small data. And Jeff, as we were talking before we pushed record here, this is really kind of the difference between I don't know you, but I know people like you, you know, this kind of big data mentality versus the small data, which is, I know right. you. And that's, I think, a really huge distinction. Can you talk a little bit about you know, where this kind of terminology, small data comes from and, and how it became something that you're really focused on? Yeah,
1: absolutely. The way I describe it, in as you started to, the way I describe it is, you know, back in 1940, when my grandfather bought his first house, he walked into the bank and the banker said, hey, I know you. His name was Bert. Hey, Bert, I know you. My grandfather walked into that bank as small data. Literally, I know you. Sure. My other grandfather, who didn't live in the same city or state, if he were to walk into that same bank, the banker would say, oh, I don't know you, but I know people like you. And I've used this story a number of times in rooms full of bankers at times, and I'll watch their eyes. And I'll watch them. It's, it settles in, and they'll go, Oh. Yeah, and I'll say you know, in big data, what a what a horrible way to make a decision about someone. I don't know you, but I know people like you. <laughs> what right? Does, what does that even mean? And like, and, and I say, you know, my grandfather was an Italian immigrant, so walking into some you know Midwest bank, uh, some small town Midwest bank, and the banker says, "I don't know you, but I know people like you." What does that mean? And I go, ouch! I right? That covers, that covers that a lot was. of ground. That phrase, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So it's you know big data. Is nothing but bins and aggregations where you lump people together to create correlations that masquerade as something specific, but it's not. You've binned people together. Small data is that unique matrix, that individual outcome. My grandfather was that small data. He literally, the banker said, I do know you. So when we talk about when we talk about small data, that's exactly what we're talking about. And what we've done is is taking the concept to create small data in an individual matrix, turning this really into a, a human data conversation. And that's, really where it,
0: fascinating. that's really where it starts. Yeah, no, I mean this, this is just fascinating. I think it's easy to see why this is something that kind of resonates with the bankers that you're you're talking to. And I can easily imagine you know, what that room looks like as their eyes start to, to light up. Right. right? So right. so now let's let's take a step back because I think you know this is obviously not something which exists in a bubble here. There's a lot of context that goes in, and there's a lot of pitfalls that come in when you kind of look at you know what you're talking about, this binning together of people. And, you know, I think there's some background information that you have that you shared with me that would be really helpful to kind of inform why small data is so important and some of the problems that we've been seeing, not just in the past year, obviously, with the pandemic, but, you know, prior to that, some of the massive holes in our financial ecosystem. Yeah,
1: absolutely. The pre-COVID, let's just talk about the numbers, right? How do you know this? Look at the numbers. Pre-COVID, 56% of the U.S. market alone was thin file, no file, and credit challenged. 88% globally. So sorry, Pre-COVID, just to repeat, this was a-
0: 56%, percent
1: 5 5-6. Thin file, no file, and credit challenged. Now, when you look at some of the Bureau data, that number is around 35-40%. But they don't include the credit challenged, the ones that are constantly bouncing between in and out, in and out. almost 60% of the population of the wealthiest country in the history of mankind is essentially at any given point invisible. Wow. 88% globally in the same position. 88% globally. That's a massive global problem. Post COVID, it's gigantic. Post COVID, those numbers are even worse. This is an emergency now. And I don't think we're overstating that, because what happened last year in 2020 is the scoring algorithms collapsed. Everyone was suddenly a bad risk. Okay, I'm, talk- I'm talking about every human being on the planet. Some people still were able to keep their jobs. But the sure. vast majority of people were, were financially affected by that. If, if you're affected by it for a month, you're in a big, you're in a big world of hurt. Because it takes you years with the current algorithms to dig yourself out of that. Years yeah. to dig yourself out of that. So, everyone essentially, we use the, the big umbrella, was affected. What COVID demonstrated, and what the interesting thing about what happened last year is it really demonstrated, brought to the forefront, it revealed finally to those who were willing to admit it out loud man, the way we've been doing this just doesn't work. I mean, again, if Almost 60% of the wealthiest country in the world, the most advanced credit uh, society on the planet, has almost 60% of their market invisible, if that's not enough information for you, to say it's not working, and that's what it really showed, is that it never really did, and everyone just coped with it. Uh, so the big reveal is it, it's, it, it didn't work, it's not working, and there's a massive global emergency here. because. How do you decision these people? We do. We've got some customers, for example, in Latin America, that revealed to us, uh, uh, they <laughs> revealed to us, I think, accidentally, because we didn't have any idea of knowing this, that the bureaus, for example, had stopped reporting. So there were some countries in Latin America where the bureaus, for eight nine months, stopped reporting. Wow! Because they knew everything that they were they were dishing out that, that they were paying for was nonsense. And this is this is and this is not me casting dispersions on how other people are doing this, but simply outlining that this is a massive, massive problem.
0: Well, and I think it's time to interject really quickly and just say, you know, because this is a problem, doesn't necessarily imply that it's somebody's fault, that it's any individual's fault for for kind of getting into the system that we're in. I mean, we were limited in the amount of data which we could play with. You know, we were limited in terms of the technology that was able to analyze that data. And so, you know, for a while, I think you could make the legitimate claim that this was as good as we could do. Right? Absolutely. And, and so, Look, so that's where, you know, I think really what we're seeing now is we're capable of a lot more right absolutely. now. And now that we're really more aware of the size of the problem. It's time to elevate and really push forward here and get something that's going to work a lot better.
1: hundred percent. I mean, the, the, the example I use with my grandfather, uh, big data made sense in the early to mid-50s. Because, right. For example, what did he do? He left his small town in, in the Midwest and came west. So he was the guy now walking into the bank where the banker sure. said, I don't know you. So there had to be a way to understand him, but you were still taking him now and putting him in a bin or an aggregation and spending you know, a decade or more trying to build up a, something that would resemble uh, someone being able to tell him, I know something about you based on the bin that you're in and the aggregation you're in, but it's still a horrible way to make a decision. Uh, right. About someone, and it's an impossible way. It's unsustainable post COVID. It's just it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work, and that's what it revealed. And you're exactly mm-hmm. right. Uh, there are better ways to do this, and human data is
0: is the way to do it. So so let's talk about this a little bit. I mean because I think we've got a good sense of the scope of the problem now. And I think the question now is, you know, what can we actually do about this? How do we get to a point where we can operate with this kind of small level of data, this human data, where we can get back to this fundamental question, you know, the answer I know you, I can understand you as an individual. I mean this is what a lot of fintech is about really. It's about understanding individual people in a way that wasn't possible before. So so what do you kind of see as the path forward? here yeah there's two sides to this right uh human
1: data solves this 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 question this this idea of the individual creating their own data expressly using conditions and domains that every human being on the planet possesses just in different ratios how do you how do you uh how do you gather that intelligence uh through the communications that the human being has 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 started um, exactly what we're doing with each other right now, right? Um, so for for bankers, for lenders, uh, the pro- is the the question for them is the problem that we're solving for you as an industry bigger than whatever risk you perceive in making a change. Ask yourself that question, and if you're saying no, it's not it's not big enough. They say okay, then you're going to be stuck pre-COVID. Sure. If you can say to yourself, yeah, it is. We see, this, we see this as not just a problem, but this is an emergency and there has to be a better way uh, because if we're, if we're rejecting 80% of our customers pre-COVID, my goodness, what does it look like post-COVID? Right. We have to have a better way.
0: Right. Well, and I think really when you talk about this, we're, we're we're talking about financial inclusion here, right? We're talking about bringing more people into Absolutely. the, the Absolutely. economic system. But at the same time, this is not, um, you know, a financial inclusion play from a bank standpoint. This is something which we recognize the system is is inefficient. It needs to be updated so that it can do more and do better. And I think this is where people get hung up on this term financial inclusion because what you're talking about really is a data platform. It's about looking at how we can identify certain characteristics of people, how we can identify who people really are with the data that we have. Now there's a massive financial inclusion angle here, right? If we're successful, we bring a bunch of people in. But I think what happens when people hear this phrase financial inclusion is they sometimes just automatically shut off. And this is what financial inclusion looks like in practice. This is what it is in the real world. It's bringing more people in to the system that they've been excluded from. And obviously there's benefit for the banks as well, but looking at it It's just solving an inefficiency at its core you know, financial inclusion is really solving massive scale inefficiencies in the market that preclude people from having access to basic financial services. And Absolutely. by solving those inefficiencies from a technical standpoint, this is really what it means. And so I think, you know, we, we talk about a lot of d- different pieces here, and I'm, I'm on the record as a big fan of financial inclusion. I think that's not a surprise to anybody in the space. But I think it's important to make these connections between this type of technology here a data play, a human play, and understanding the implications from a financial inclusion standpoint, because there's a lot to pull away there. Absolutely. And and the
1: difference difference here is in, in what direction is that inclusion being applied? A typical financial inclusion play comes in the form of what kind of product can we deliver to you that creates a sense of inclusion for you? As opposed to human data, small data, What are you, as that human being, that individual, that unique individual human being, what are you providing to the market that allows us to understand the risk of the engagement? Giving people a checking account is not financial inclusion. The only way that a a financial inclusion occurs is if that that risk focused business that delivers financial products, goods, and services is able to understand the risk of that engagement. A, A checking account doesn't do that it's invisible so approaching it from the direction of the human being that the human being actually is in fact providing all the information to the marketplace that you need to understand the risk of that engagement as a unique individual human being in every utterance that they perform is telling their story my grandfather how is that banker able to say to my grandfather i know you based on the conversations and communications he had with him over time
0: Period. Right. No, it really is that simple. No, this, this is a fascinating topic and, and I'm afraid we're out of time for today, but I wanted to make sure that to have you on here because I think this topic of small data is something that we're going to be hearing a lot more of in the future. And so I thought it was important to kind of set the groundwork for what that means, kind of plant some ideas in people's heads. And I'm curious to hear people who are listening to this, if you have other examples of this type of small data, please reach out to me. I'm, I'm fascinated by this as an idea. And I think it's something that we're going to see a lot more of. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time my to pleasure, share Greg. this. My um, And again, check out their videos at Finnovate.com. See what Neener Analytics is all about. And keep an eye out for this level of small data in your day-to-day life and see how that adjustment changes things for you. Because I, have, I suspect that when you start looking at it and from that standpoint, you can experience the same type of eye-opening piece that Jeff described here in the beginning in that room full of bankers. It, it was a major difference in my own thinking, and I'm happy that you took the time to share it with us.
1: My pleasure, Greg. Anytime you ask, I'm there.
0: Perfect. Well, we'll catch up again soon, Jeff. Until then, take care. Thanks again.
1: Be well. Thank you.